1: tell. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, everybody's been talking about it. I've been talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. So I'm going to ask him about it. And he's going to talk about it. Uh, RJ sure. Lehman, our friend. Uh, he is the editor in chief of the International Center for Law and Economics. He's a good Twitter buddy for a long time. So one of the reasons I do this show, I get to talk to my Twitter buddies in real life. Good to meet him and a Twitter Supper Club member in good standing from the wonderful state of Florida on the mm-hmm. left hand side. How are you today, <laughs> sir?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Fantastic. Uh, we were kicking this around on Twitter. There's been some developments since then, but let's reset it this way, because everybody's talking about Elon Musk and Twitter, and they're all talking about it from the content point of view, the cultural point of view, the social media point of view. Talk to me about the business side of this, because I think it's getting glossed over. And really, in the grand scheme of things, that side of it's more important and all that content stuff folks are talking about. None of that happens without the business side of it being in order. So let's start there. Just Isn't, what we know now, where do you think the business side of this sits?
0: So what we know is Twitter has been an underperforming stock for a few years. Um, when you compare it to the other major platforms, uh, particularly Facebook, which, which also includes the Facebook subsidiaries like Instagram and uh, WhatsApp, Um, Twitter does not generate anywhere near the same revenue. It doesn't have the same kind of user base. It's got a different kind of uh, uh, profile in terms of who its users are and what they get out of the experience. Um, the The obvious primary difference is Twitter does not have the kind of demographic information about its users that Facebook does. Facebook knows quite a bit about who you are, what you like, what you might wanna buy. Um, which is valuable information for their for their advertisers uh, Twitter much less so you know it, it does know some things it knows who you follow knows who you inter- engage with um, it doesn't necessarily really know who you are there's a lot of anonymity on Twitter um, and uh, it has not been able in quite a while to convert its service into a really profitable business so that's that's why there's a good business case for a takeover for taking it another direction. That uh, its, its original concept um, was a good one and a popular one, but not necessarily a profitable one. Elon Musk um, has a long history of, of uh, controversy on the Twitter platform. Um, and so it was unclear when he first announced that he was taking a stake in the company what his goal was. He uh, took uh, a nine he announced on April 1st, many people noted it was April Fool's Day that he was buying 9% of the company, which is an important uh, uh, threshold because at 10% there's a lot of reporting requirements that a company having that size stake. So he didn't go over that. Um, and he uh, it was announced initially that he would be joining the board of directors. Uh, that uh, ultimately, a couple of days later, did not happen. Uh, the, the board announced that Elon was no longer interested in joining. Many people speculated that the reason he wasn't interested in joining is as a member of the board of directors, he would have fiduciary du- duties to look out for the best interests of the company. And so a lot of his behavior, talking smack <laughs> about Twitter and what it's like and what it does would be stuff that he would be precluded theoretically from doing, and that that might be why he didn't join the board. And so then uh, again, a couple of days later, he made a full offer to buy out all of Twitter, the whole the whole lock, stock, and barrel, um, and take the company private, so it would no longer be a publicly traded company. Um, initially, the board was resistant to doing that. It uh, It announced just a couple days ago, you know, depending on when people hear this, uh, that they they had considered his offer and uh, would be accepting it. So what we know is that not a lot about what what Elon wants to do with the business model of Twitter. He has suggested maybe relying less on advertising and more on a uh, uh, subscriber type uh, service where you would have incentives to pay for additional services, to pay to get yourself a verified account, um, and that it would be private, uh, and that he would exercise less moderation than Twitter has exercised in the past. But how he'll make money with this is not clear at all, um, especially since like this is now going to be on his books. I mean, he and his, his investors, financiers are Are going to own this whole thing, um, you you probably need a business plan because most people don't want to throw away $44 billion (laughs) for uh, an asset that's not going to generate some revenue for you.
1: Now, let's talk about that for just a second, because this is something else that's not getting talked about Mm -hmm. at all this is not a done deal and it's nope. not even on step two or three of a hundred step process of being done deal mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, a hostile takeover which was what this is even though twitter's agreeing to it by by legal definition it's still a hostile takeover mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is highly regulated there's a lot of rules to this there's oversight sure. to this he has to prove his financing there has to be a third-party guarantor of this financing mm-hmm. we're a long ways from this deal being done but everybody's acting like this thing is done Talk about that process a little bit because, and we'll lead into it a minute ago, Elon Musk recently, 2018, he said on Twitter of all places, he was going to take Tesla private and that went so well, it bought him a $20 million (laughs) fine, Tesla a $20 million fine. He turned out he did not have, he still to this day says he was serious, so SEC disagrees. He had to step down as the chairman of Tesla for at least five years. And here's the kicker that brings us to today. The SEC had to approve his tweeting of all things on Twitter. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. When I see a movie one time, I want some proof that the sequel is going to be at least better. Am I wrong for thinking that way? Because we're a long way to go on this puppy, but people are acting like it's done.
0: It's it's uh, it's still uncertain. I would I would bet more likely than not at this point, but we'll see where he gets his financing. We know he is he has come forward with. It's a $44 billion deal. He's announced he has $25.5 billion in uh, lender financing. That still leaves open you know, almost $20 billion that uh, would come, he says, out of equity financing, which would mean basically Tesla stock or stock in one of his other uh, ventures, but most likely Tesla. He also has SpaceX and The Boring Company um, and a few other smaller ventures uh, that he could pledge that stock. All of which, though, if if he pledges it, means is he loses control in those primary in those primary companies that that he has been at the helm of for quite a while. Um, so Tesla shares immediately after the Twitter announcement started falling because it was unclear what would happen with Tesla. Would they dilute their shareholders by doing more uh, by issuing more stock, and that that's how he would end up financing the Twitter buy. Um, still unclear, the regulatory uh, approvals that are, are pending, um, it would have to go through antitrust clearance. It's probably not an antitrust concern because Elon Musk and his companies are not currently in the social media business. Um, so uh, if, you, if, uh, if Coca-Cola buys Pepsi, or uh, McDonald's buys Burger King—that's what's called a horizontal merger. You're you're merging you're merging with a competitor in the same market. You're expanding out. That al- almost always triggers serious antitrust concern. This would be more what you call a vertical merger. So, in vertical mergers, there's less initial antitrust concern. There can be in some circumstances, if you uh, are different parts of the production chain, say. If General Motors bought out Uniroyal tires, um, there might be concern that General Motors is going to use that acquisition to uh, try to uh, prevent its competitors, Toyota, from buying Uniroyal tires at the cheap level that General Motors can get it. That's not necessarily a bad thing, though, uh, but it would be something that you would have regulators being concerned about. The only concern a regulator could raise here, and it's it's one that I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, because the FTC has gotten very activist under the Biden administration, is what the theory of potential competition. That the problem here is Elon Musk might have started a t- social media company in the future to compete with Twitter. And by buying Twitter, he doesn't start his social media company in the future. And so he's preventing theoretical future competition from happening. Um, which sounds ridiculous, but there are regulators who, who pursue those kinds of ridiculous theories. So, if, if the FTC were to step in and, and you know, pose a, a, a theoretical complaint on potential competition, um, I would not be shocked. I think it would be ridiculous, but I would not be shocked.
1: Yeah, I don't want them to do that because then I'd have to defend Elon Musk getting Twitter, <laughs> which I don't really want to do, but I would have to in that case because that's absolutely ridiculous. Talking to R.J. Lehman. So- yeah. Um, let, us let's, let's delve into that for just a second though, beside the regulation of it, yeah. um, what's actually going to happen if he acquires this company, because social media companies are not, I, I know it's a tech startup and the things and all the buzzwordy stuff, social media companies are very specific beasts. They need armies upon armies of engineers to function. It yeah. is codes and algorithms. I know they're talking about the algorithm going, folks, you can't mm-hmm. read the public code unless they give you like the. the the algorithms are so complicated. The coding is so complicated. Even if he gets this thing, it's one thing to tweet about it. In practicality, is this going to be one of those things? Even if he gets control of the company, some engineers are going to sit him down and go, okay, look, Mr. Musk, I know you're this, you know, boy wonder genius, but there's some pretty hard and fast rules and physics involved here when it comes to social media. How much is he actually going to be able to change? Even setting aside the profitability thing, which we'll come back to in a minute, just on a practical level, there's some limits on what you can do here, right?
0: There absolutely is. Twitter, um, the, uh, the APIs, which are basically the instructions that you could use uh, to create, you know, say an app that takes advantage of the Twitter platform. You may remember a few years ago, there used to be a lot of those. I mean, the most famous one is TweetDeck, right? Where, where you could use this third-party app to schedule tweets, to filter your, your followers. Um, I'm using it right now. Right. So Twitter has has pulled back a bit on what you can do with third-party apps over the years. And theoretically, what Elon is talking about when he says he wants to make the code open source, uh, both you know, the, the sort of the way he frames it is so that it would improve trust in the company. I mean, what I hear when I hear that is he wants to allow third-party developers to create apps that could uh, for instance, you know, perform their own moderation, um, which is maybe not a terrible idea. I don't know that the, the physics of it will work out, but, you know, you could, for instance, uh, if, if you want a, uh, a Twitter feed that includes a lot of, like, you know, scandalous content, you could have that kind of Twitter feed. If you don't, you could use this app to filter out some of that stuff. A lot of questions that are currently going all the way up to the top, to the moderation team at Twitter, maybe could be handled by third parties. Um, And so different kinds of users could have different kinds of apps. But anytime you open things up to third parties, the first question is security. Um, The more you open up to to third parties, the more you increase your cyber risks. Um, Twitter has been breached in the past. There was a famous incident just uh, about a year or two ago uh, where a teenager here in Tampa, uh, compromised, uh, the, it was not a, a super advanced, uh, sort of exploit. It was something that was done by, you know, finding a person who was on the inside who gave him, you know, access to a master panel. But that was the famous day that the blue checks could not tweet <laughs> because they locked down all verified accounts because they were getting hacked. Um, so that that kind of thing is, is something you would be concerned about uh, if you opened up the platform further. Um, that's why a lot of platforms are more closed.
1: Yeah, talking to our friend RJ Lehman, uh, we're talking Elon Musk, we're talking Twitter, we're talking about uh, the machinations thereof. We're going to take a quick break on Hertel, come right back, continue to talk about this because we've been talking about it for days on end and we all just need to talk about it for another 10 minutes or so. We'll do so on Hertel when it comes back right after this. Uh, welcome back to her hotel, talking to our friend, RJ Lehman, uh, down there in sunny South Florida, as mm-hmm. famous people used to
0: say. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at try That's TryLifeMD.com. That's t r y l i f e m d.com. Hey daily.
1: Uh let's back up for a second with this merger thing. Mergers are one of those things where it affects a lot of people. I had it happen to me. I lost my job because our company got bought by another. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they're like, well, we're going to get rid of 360 people. And it doesn't even have anything to do with me. You're just a line number. People hear about mergers, but they don't really understand how it works. Mm-hmm. So let's back up for a second and make sure everybody's got the nomenclature down. When you're talking about Elon Musk, Elon Musk cannot just walk up to a company, Twitter or any other and go, oh, I'm going to buy you when it's a public company. Talk about that process a little bit, because I think that's where the breakdown on this thing happened. Shareholders have rights. Shareholders have voting responsibilities. Um, It's a complicated thing. Let's work through that nomenclature just a little bit to see if we can get the noise turned down on this thing a little.
0: Sure. So when when he took his uh, nine percent stake, that did make him the largest shareholder in Twitter. Um, There were some that were close, you know, in the in the eight percent range. And those companies tend to be mutual funds, um, the largest being BlackRock and uh, Vanguard. Um, That's true of almost every major public company is that the largest investors are what are called institutional investors. Those are your mutual funds, your pension funds, including state employee pension funds tend to be among the largest. your uh, life insurers and other insurance companies. Um, they're very, uh, by nature, conservative investors. They buy the whole market. They'll, they'll buy a share of every company in the S&P 500. Um, and they exercise their voting rights, but in a usually in a pretty predictable and conservative way. They have advisors that will tell them how to vote um, in the annual proxy vote uh, on questions like the CEO's pay, um, they, they are major factors in whether or not to accept a bid, um, and they entrust the board to make those decisions. Um, a lot of people, and this came up when when Elon, Elon made his uh, initial bid and the company, uh, now the board announced it was going to um, exercise a poison pill. Well, what, what that means here specifically is they would, once Elon had 15% of the company, uh, which would render him under SEC and Delaware law, Delaware is relevant because that's where Twitter is incorporated, uh, would render him an interested insider. Um, They could slow his ability to buy the company by up to uh, three years, um, mostly by granting other shareholders the right to buy more stock at a discounted rate, which would shrink his relative share of the company. And, um, so why, why would a board do that? Boards, uh, the cynical take is that boards boards of directors are only interested in their own power or their insiders, the CEO is a member of the board, often also the CEO serving as the chair of the board. Um, so that that's the way some people look at uh, corporate boards exercising their authority to uh, defensively fight off a hostile or unsolicited bid for control. Um, That it kind of comes with this idea that like a a company, being a shareholder in a company is like being a member of a democracy. That that analogy only goes so far because it's like being, if it were like being a member of a citizen in a democracy, you could be a member of 3000 democracies at once You could choose to quit your your citizenship at any time, um, and you could rejoin a second later just by pushing a button. You know that's not really how democracies work in the real world. Usually, if you don't like the way a company is being run, the way you exercise that opinion is not to buy it or to vote out the board, but to sell your shares. Um, And so, the law allows Delaware law allows the board a lot of. Power, grants the board a lot of power to set its rules. Um, and those rules often include keeping out uh, troublemakers uh, who might not have the best interest in the company at, at heart. And that was the question is, is Elon Musk one of those troublemakers or is he making a serious bid? There's a good reason to suspect he might be just trying to stir up some stuff and not, not making a serious bid. In the end, uh, we're well not at the end, but in the end, it, uh, for this week at least, it looks like he has made what he thinks is a serious bid and what the board thinks is a serious bid.
1: And this gets to a much bigger issue that we're going to have to cover in depth at another time, but I want to touch on it because we need to acknowledge it.
0: Mm.
1: We've had this long-running political conversation and a legal conversation because we know the Supreme Court dealt with this with Citizens United of Is a corporation people or is a corporation this evil, wicked, you know, monolithic thing that just exists on paper in places like Delaware that doesn't really exist, but only exists on paper? That's a joke. That last part. We love Mm -hmm. people from Delaware. Mostly. Mm -hmm. I had to go to Dover too many times. I'm bitter. (laughs) But the point is, um, to be serious for a second, this is a larger conversation about government, you know, government, how they see a corporation. Is it people or is it an entity? You know, do stakeholders have democratic rights within a company? And then when you have something like, you know, Elon Musk, that's such a big whale. It goes, the whale goes through the net. The old saying goes, that's kind of what's happening here. But if it's not Twitter and it doesn't have all the buzzwords attached to it, these companies have a lot of people involved. Talk about that for just a second, because that's the bigger issue down the road of Things like Citizens United, things like voting rights for companies, things like free speech and political speech for companies. All that stuff winds up in a ball when you have, you know, Elon Musk is a wrecking ball that kind of cuts through all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But all those issues aren't going away. And all those issues are going to be big issues going forward, uh, both in politics and in corporate America.
0: One of the things that concerns me, it came up. I don't think it's going to develop into anything in this instance, but uh, it's going to it's not going to go away. Um, my governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, um, when the Twitter board announced that they were not initially, initially announced that they were going to exercise the poison pill and not accept Elon Musk bid, he suggested that Florida and specifically the Florida State Pension Fund um, would sue uh, that sue the board of directors for um, not for not exercising. Uh, what would be in the best interest of them as shareholders? But clearly, his interest there is political. His interest was that he does not like Silicon Valley companies, and he he, he thinks that he takes Elon's side in some of these debates about free speech. And so, it would be a political lawsuit if they fought, if they filed it. Unfortunately, that's not new. It's happened often that state officials um, have uh, have a stake. Uh, in companies through pension funds, through which they are trying to achieve political ends. So this happened a few years ago with the State Comptroller of New York, uh, guy named Scott Stringer, who later ran for mayor. Um, And he was using his authority as the head of the New York State Pension Board um, to file these proxy ballot uh, initiatives at companies because they, were, were not uh, attuned to global warming, they were, you know, exercising, they were, they were issuing car- carbon uh, emissions, um, or that their board wasn't sufficiently diverse, or that they weren't giving, you know, uh, appropriate uh, benefits to LGBT employees. Basically, using your author- using your power as an investor and a government official to, exer- to get political ends through investment means. And I I, I really find that uh, a troubling trend. And now, the, now that the left has been doing it for a few years, the right is absolutely going to pick it up.
1: RJ Lehman, uh, great stuff. Really appreciate the insight. I got a feeling we're going to be talking about this in a couple of weeks. Um, I, <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe somebody that loves him should get Elon Musk to not tweet for a couple of weeks. I don't think he will, because I think this thing is one tweet away from blowing up, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Appreciate your insight on this. We're going to have you back on to talk about this. We're going to put you in the regular rotation. You do good work, sir. Until (laughs) we get you back though, let folks know where they can follow you, what you got going on, uh, what you do with that fancy EIC title that everybody (laughs) covers, but nobody actually wants to do the work once they get it and your social media, sir.
0: So the, the International Center for Law and Economics. You can find us at laweconcenter.org. We uh, we work uh, in the law and economics tradition of legal jurisprudence, uh, and uh, and seek to uh, promote scholars who work in that tradition. Uh, a lot of our work is on antitrust and tech issues. So uh, Twitter uh, and 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 Twitter's moderation issues are all things that uh, we're already very engaged in. And if you come to our website, you can see some of the things we've written about it.
1: Fantastic. And he's a good Twitter buddy, a august and respected member of the Twitter (laughs) Supper Club, because they do good eating down there in Florida and wherever his travels take him. Thank you so much for your time, sir. We'll have you back soon and continue to talk about these issues. Thank you. Thank you, sir.